Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show where a cool smoking pipe does not mean leaving it outside overnight on a winter's night unless you want to freeze your bowls. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from Huntersville, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. Tuesday night. Hey, it's February. And uh, the groundhog was not smoking a pipe, so we don't give a damn about him. Anyway, uh, on tonight's show, going to talk more in detail on Dunhill group sizes and what does that mean? What does a group four mean? And more on that. Uh, and my guest tonight is Mike Zika. Mike's returning again. He's got a uh, blend review form that is just probably the best I've ever seen, so... We'll play with that. In fact, you may have seen it already on the show notes because uh, hopefully it's there. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of uh, legal smoking age wherever you are to listen to this fine show. So if uh, the smoking age is 19 and you're listening, go someplace where it's 18. There you go. Um, hey, listen, just a reminder, if you are in the Charlotte area, do like uh, show listener Kyle did. Let me know you're coming into town, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get together for a pipe full or two. I know a few places in the Charlotte area where you can smoke indoors. In fact, I know a couple of uh, great pipe shops where you can hang out. So it was fun hanging out with Kyle and his friend Brent on uh, last Wednesday night before they went off to a concert. Uh, we got to spend uh, about an hour and a half just hanging out, smoking and talking and uh, goofing around. So if you're in the Charlotte area, let me know. Uh, remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show get posted every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, unless there's some catastrophe or something's going on, in which case we'll get them up as soon as possible. But remember, new shows every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and then they're available on iTunes, Google+, Plus, Stitcher, Podkicker, I don't know where else they are. Yeah, all over the place, so wherever you want it. And our entire archive is available for you to go back and download or listen to at any time that you want to, free of charge. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, Dunhill group sizes, or when you hear somebody refer to a pipe as a group four, a group five, or uh, even bigger, like an ODA, what does all that mean? Well, this subject came up with one of our uh, regular show listeners, and I thought, you know what, maybe uh, maybe when, uh, when we touched on it briefly, we didn't explain it enough. So here it goes. Uh, let's start off with Group 4. So what Dunhill did was uh, they based the pricing on their pipes two ways. One was by the finish, so the shell briar or the tan shell or the briere or the root briar or... Yeah, those, those names. So the shell briar was the least expensive, and then it go all the way up to the uh, to the dead roots and so on and so on. Uh, they'd base the pricing based off of the finish, and then the size of the pipe. So Dunhill Group Four is kind of what you and I modern day would consider to be the standard pipe size. Um, in my opinion, which I'm a leading expert on, so I'll give it to you. A Dunhill Group 4 bowl is going to be, uh, and this is the interior dimensions of the tobacco chamber. It's going to be one and a half inches tall and three quarters of an inch wide. That is just a kind of, to me, a classic Dunhill Group 4 size. Any number smaller, 3, 2, or 1, is going to be a proportionately smaller size than that one and a half inch by three quarter inch size of a group four group five and now group six are going to be bigger than that 
And then when you get into what Dunhill calls an ODA or an ODB, um, those get a little confusing. The ODAs tend to be bigger, but again, it can be a situation where it's a own design. Um, magnums. What is a magnum? A magnum in wine terminology is a double-sized bottle of wine. So it should be double a group four if you're using that as the standard. Now, if you go back into history, uh, the standard pipe shape from Dunhill or pipe size from Dunhill was a group three. And that group three size would be the most, again, that's the most popular size, and then a group four would be a little bit larger. Well, part of the reason for that was, you know, smaller bowl, lighter weight. Um, has, as time has changed, we all like larger bowls. I think as time has changed, and this is just me thinking again, and I know I get in trouble when I do that, uh, a group three in the 1920s, 30s, or 40s, would be the equivalent of what we're calling a group four now. Because keep in mind, and this is where things get sneaky, uh, Dunhill charged by the group size for their pipes. So again, a group one is cheaper than a group two is cheaper than a group three. Uh, so if you look at some of the older pipes that are groups one and two, you know, in my opinion, they look to be a little bit bigger than what is a current group one um, the other area where it can get kind of fuzzy is dunhill would get factory orders yeah, and they were they were manufacturing on a factory line so they had to uh they had to produce to purchase orders and so on and so on uh dunhill would get an order and the order might be from their u.s importer for X amount of group 4s, X amount of group 3s, you know, X amount of group 5s, these shapes, that shape, so on and so on. Well, you know, so really what they did was they'd look at whatever batch they had just produced and say, you know, this is really the middle of the range right here. So that, that year, the group 4s might have been a little bigger because they had... They had purchase orders for more Group 4s, so they'd bring some of the bigger pipes in and some of the smaller pipes. And again, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an exact science, but they are cutting these pipes. Um, so they might fudge the sizes a little bit here and there. So if you see a Group 4 that looks to be a hair bigger than another Group 4, well, keep in mind they were a factory and they were working to purchase orders. Um the the other reason that this is important is of course we in the uh, in the hobby we use that vernacular of a group 4 as kind of a standard term and now it's you know, in my mind it's that one and a half inch by three quarter inch bowl anything smaller than that is smaller anything bigger than that is a bigger number um so if we keep that in mind you know that helps us understand what it is and again when we're looking at pipes online if you're or if you're talking about pipes online and you and somebody mentions that they like to use their uh, they like to smoke virginias in a group three well now you know it's kind of going to be smaller than that one and a half by three quarters or if they like to smoke in a smoke it in a bigger pipe in a group five or six or even in an oda which could be a yeah, essentially a magnum size or a uh, or a jumbo size. Now you know it's going to be a larger size. So that's the explanation between uh, behind Dunhill's group sizings and what they really mean. You want to see a small pipe? Look at a Group One now. I mean, you're talking about a uh, one-inch tobacco chamber and maybe 0.65 of an inch in width. Anyway, uh, some states that might not be considered a tobacco pipe. All right, let's uh, finish that up and say uh, Mike Zika will be on with me in just a minute. So uh, we'll be back in just a second. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. 
Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we're taking a uh, we're taking a deep dive into uh, into blend reviewing or tobacco evaluation. And joining us again is Mike Zika. Mike, you're a member of the Chicagoland Pipe Club, and you kind of uh, do these evaluations for a living. So uh, the stuff you've given me is great, but uh, we're going to get into it and get into all the details but mike welcome back to the show well thank you brian it's a pleasure to uh be able to be on the show again all right so you sent me your pipe tobacco evaluation form and it's highly detailed but let's let's get into your uh, as everybody remembers you've got a background in marketing and you do market research for a living so uh, start with the details. Tell us why, when, how, where, and uh, what made you do all this work. Sure. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, well, a friend of mine uh, from the Chicago Pipe Collectors Club, Matthew Baker, Hoss as we call him, he had some Penzance. And I never had Penzance before, so he said, you want to try some? So I said, sure. So he, he gave me a, 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 a little bit of sample of Penzance. I took it home put it in a, in a jar, let it sit for a little while. And then another one of my friends from the pipe club, Craig Harrell, and I got together and we did our little initial smoke of Penzance. And um, I brought along a, uh, a notepad and a pen and said, well, let's write down our thoughts as we smoke the Penzance, because that was our first time that either of us, either of, either of us has ever had it. And uh, that little experience led me to take it a little bit farther, the uh, idea of evaluating tobacco. So I had seen Fred Hanna's form uh, before and looked at that and knew what that was about. And William Sarad's also. I looked at his uh, article in uh, summer 2002 issue of Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. I was familiar with that. And he's he's got a similar mathematical background as I do. And I knew what he was attempting to do with his form. And um, I looked over the, both of those and said, well, let's take a shot at putting one together on my own. Um, so I thought about what makes a good review. Um, and I was thinking about other characteristics. There's a, a YouTube pipe tobacco reviewer. Um, his name is Bradley, and he goes by the YouTube channel Stuff and Things. And he does a really good job. He's evaluated, I think, about 86 pipe tobacco blends as of now. And the wow. thing that I like about Bradley, he's a good presenter, but he also provides a consistent review process for each blend. So, like, if I was going to say, well, geez, I wanted the, the difference between Dunhill 965 and Old Dublin, Peterson Old Dublin, and I could listen to Bradley's review of those, too. Um, and he uses common themes throughout the review, so I could pick up on those subtle differences and say, oh, I think I might prefer 965 to Old Dublin or vice versa because of these reasons. So with that said, that's kind of the starting point for my form. So um, being a marketing researcher, um, I do this kind of for a living is create questionnaires, design questionnaires, and then I'm a statistician analyzing the data from them. So I said, well, I'm going to create a form. Now, what's ironic about my form is that I'm pretty quantitative type of a researcher, but I also have a pretty good background in the qualitative aspect of, of research. And this 
pipe tobacco evaluation form is much more qualitative in nature. That's how it just felt right. In other words, more like a, a focus group discussion guide or a one-on-one interview discussion guide. So in other words, if I was just sitting with a group of pipe smokers and they were all smoking the same blend, I could just take them through my form and just get them to raise hands, make comments, and et cetera, about the, the experience. And I'd have my evaluations. Yeah, there's no uh, one through fives or one, you know, rank this from one to ten or, uh, you know, three happy faces if it's really strong, four happy faces if it knocked you out. Right. There's some technical reasons for that. Uh, people have a hard time actually using rating scales. Uh, so when we do analytics on data like that, we have to treat, we have to do things to the data, process the data before we even begin analyzing it, trying to take those scale effects out of the picture. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, without getting too technical, uh, typical raw rating scale data is not really useful for all when we get into the an analytical part of a research project. Um, so there were a couple things um, that I wanted to talk about and uh, or I wanted the form to be based on. And the first thing is that I wanted the form to be used both as a, as a record or a diary for the individual smoker. So it's not that you have to share your review with other people. This could just be your record keeping of your own notes on the blend. Or if you felt like it could be use, useful to you, you could use it as a, as a format to provide a review. If you're going to do a YouTube review or a review on tobacco, uh, reviews.com or smokingpipes.com, it just provides a kind of a outline for your process. Um, so that's the, uh, so was there a, the, the, the starting point. So it's got it, it. It goes through a whole bunch of parts of the experience and and the tobaccos. So was there something that you didn't put on the form that you thought should have been there? Well, that's interesting, Brian. Um, in the marketing research business, when we try to, try to create the the list of the items or the criteria that are going to be used to evaluate something, whether product, service, whatever, it takes a lot of time and effort to create that list because you want to make sure you have it covered properly. So I developed this list to be, um, you know, it's got a lot of words and phrases on it, but that means I also want the user to be able to add their own words and phrases. In fact, they may read all my words and phrases and say, you know, none of these really apply, but these do. And then they have, they can record their own. Um, and I think that's one of the beauties of it. So again, a much more qualitative yeah. type of an approach than a quantitative type of an approach. All right. Should we go through what you have on here kind of one by one and, uh, you know, kind of discuss these things and then maybe, uh, the, the listeners can either take notes or we can, uh, get them a copy of this so that they can start playing around with it. Sure. So the, the first thing that I do is I think that before I even think about the, the the flavor profile or whatever, but I think about the blend um, with respect to five key variables, the cut in the tin, um, and then what do you have to do to prepare it for packing? I think of the moisture content. Um, I think of the packing technique that you might want to use with it. I think of the pipe that you might want to smoke uh, the characteristics of the pipe, especially the inside dimensions of the bowl. And then I think about the smoking technique that you yourself have. So your cadence tend to be a little quicker or a little slower cadence. And then maybe what type of environment that you're going to smoke in. Are you outside where it's windy or are you inside, you know, you know without any wind, et cetera. So I think about those types of um, variables first before I even think about anything else on the blend. Then I have areas to uh, take care of those uh, um, and the form. And again, the goal is to be able to align those variables for that particular blend to produce the perfect ton smoke, as I call it, or as others have called it too, like Rick Newcomb, I think, maybe Fred Hanna have talked about the perfect ton smoke, but that's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, something that where you can take it all the way down to the bottom of the bowl, 
to the perfect gray-white ash at the bottom, and you have that experience that uh, you're after. Yeah. <laughs> you get that magic pipe that just smokes all the way through. Um, all right, so let, let, let's go into these questions that, you, that you've written down here and that you ask yourself of, of each one. And, of course, uh, I mean, the, the first one you have is when, you know, when you're looking at the, at the blend, is it visually appealing? Um, right, and that and that's very sure. personal too, because uh, you know there's there's <laughs> what I like about it is there's no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever you think it is. Right. So looking at the like I, I call this the pre pre small characteristics. So I have some some of them listed here, and and if you use this form, if you printed it out as a hard copy, you could circle or highlight with a highlighter. Or you could do it electronically because it's in a Word document. You could just use the highlighting function and just highlight the phrases. And I had done, I had reviewed a couple of blends and sent them to Brian with my highlighting on and showed how that could be used. Yeah. So my pre small characteristics are, and you can circle or highlight as many or few of these words as you would want, or you could skip over all of them. Like if you thought, you know what, I'm not sure if it's visually appealing, you don't do anything to it, you just skip the word. You just, kind of like you're raising your hand, like if somebody said, you think it's visually appealing? And either yes or no. Yeah, it really is. Or, you know, I'm not sure. We'll skip it. You don't have to highlight it. But uh, visually appealing in the tin. Um, the tin aroma. Pleasant tin aroma. And then what kind of flavoring might you be picking up, whether it's no added flavoring, a subtle added flavoring, or a noticeable added flavoring. And then... Is it uh, then easy to, easy to prepare for smoking or difficult to prepare for smoking? Uh, easy to pack or difficult to pack? And then good moisture content or it needs to be dried out? That so is, you can, you know, evaluate. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, I got one question for you about pre-purchase, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the rest of these. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with Mike Zika. And Mike, the, the one thing that, so this is all after you've purchased it. So there's no, um, uh, there's no reviewing of the, uh, of like the tin art or the labeling or is the, you know, I, I guess there's somewhere, somewhere pre-purchase, there's got to be something about is the name of the brand, is the name of the tobacco stupid, you know, obviously. So it, it's created the, you are, you are already interested enough in this tobacco to either purchase it or to get some and you know, give it a go, right? Right, right. And I, I assume that you would be, uh, you know, but it would be, I would call that the brand image uh, yeah. aspect of it. So, like, for me, I would say, you know, the Dunhill line or the Esoterica line and the McLellan line, those are the brand images that kind of resonate with me. So... For different reasons, um, so uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a factor. Would be initial purchase, but this is mostly about this form is actually geared more toward once you have it in hand. So you're correct on that line. All right, where did we leave off before I inter interrupted you? Yeah, well, we, we the moisture content or needs to be dried out. 
um, and that would be in the pre-smoke characteristics. Now we were going to move into the smoking characteristics. All right. That's my favorite part. Let's go. All right. So these aren't really flavor elements, individual flavor elements. They're more the characteristics of the smoke once it's lit. So is it cool smoking or hot smoking? Um, dry smoking or wet smoking? Clean burning, not clean burning. Uh, easy to keep lit, hard to keep lit. Does it have a consistent flavor throughout the smoke, or does the flavor vary throughout the smoke? And some of these, I, uh, I, I like that one in particular because you can't really answer that right away. You've got to kind of stay with it for a while to see what the tobacco does. I mean, you can't just, you know, you, that, so you're, again, you're you're kind of asking the reviewer to, you know, think of these things as you're, as they're going through it, but not really come up with an answer until they're all the way done. Right. And the way this form is used is that you might smoke, maybe you use it after the first bowl or whatever, but you could also, you know, revise it after you've smoked 10 bowls of a, of a new blend and say, you know what, it actually does have a lot of variation throughout the smoke, even though I didn't pick it up at first. So it's easy to, uh, to edit the form, you know, if you're keeping electronic copies of it for your records or whatever. Yeah, and um, and again, these are have, all personal. Yeah, your your own personal feelings about this bowl of pipe tobacco, or you know, uh, it, it, there's there's absolutely nothing in here that says that, yeah, it's that it has to be X to to qualify for this. Mm-hmm. And then I have the uh, pleasant room aroma, aroma to the smoker while smoking. So I would call that maybe like Fred Hanna uses side stream smoke. I guess that might be a better term, but it has to do with what do you what do you smell as you're smoking it? Um, and then does it have a pleasant room note or unpleasant room note to others? Uh, the nicotine content I have five categories listed. Very difficult for me to know if it's nicotine content unless it's a really high one. But I have high, medium, high, medium, medium, low, and low. And uh, if you can't evaluate nicotine content, you just skip that over. Don't have to worry about it. Same with overall strength. I have those same five categories. Uh, like if I was thinking of a high overall strength blend, it would be one of those uh, rope tobaccos, which I had tried a long time ago. And I took two five puffs of it and said, wow, this is great. And then I woke up about a half hour later, I think. <laughs> and knocked me, knocked me over. I think it was called uh, Dark Double X. Uh, twist rope or something. <laughs> um, if you fell over while smoking this, that might be high. Yeah, that one definitely did it to me. So I'm always leery of the, ro- of the ropes now. Um, clean tasting. Um, and then this is one for me. I tend to, when I t- taste tobacco, I tend to think about it more in musical fashion. So bass notes, mid-range notes, or high notes. I can easily pick those up in just about any blend I'm smoking. I have a hard time with some of the flavor profiles, like when I read on the tobaccoreviews.com. I don't pick those up as much as I pick up like a musical range in my smoking, if that makes sense. And I, um, I absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you on the last two of clean tasting, and then the musical notes. the The musical notes make perfect sense to me because I taste tobaccos that way. Um, but the clean mm-hmm. tasting part, in fact, I think in a recent episode, I might have talked about having to shave my tongue after smoking something. Uh, sure. You know, does it, does it, that's one of the things that really irritates me about some blends is, can I still feel my mouth afterwards? But yeah, go ahead. I got, I got excited. <laughs> you, you hit two of my hot buttons. Good. So other ones I have listed here, I have depth, um, complexity. Uh, one-dimensional, balanced, uh, is it sharp, moderate, or mellow, uh, smooth, creamy, intense, harsh, subtle, or rich. So like when I think of creamy, somebody said, what's creamy? Well, Penzance to me is creamy. Uh, that's definitely uh, creamy to me, That just that mouthfeel or whatever. But again... As we, and those are the end of my, the smoking characteristics. I'll have flavor elements to talk about next. But with those, you could have looked at the whole list and says, you know what? None of those make sense to me. You, and that's okay. 
I'm just providing cues, in other words, for you. Yeah, and none of them are pejorative or, or yeah, being if I I have one tobacco that I really like that is one dimensional, but I happen to like that one dimension. Right. Yeah, the one dimension is not a bad thing at all. And it's not necessarily a good thing. It just is that. So then, you know, you might might look over and maybe you use this form on ten. Let's say you have ten tobaccos in your rotation, and you use this form. You just kind of see what you like and. You find out, you know what, I really do like a one-dimensional type of a smoke because you find out that your top three all have that characteristic highlighted in bold yellow. Yeah. So, Okay, now let's go on to the, uh, on to the, the flavor elements that you've listed. Okay, so the flavor elements. Now, these, I, I can pick up some of these, but I don't pick up a lot of these myself when I'm smoking. So I, I want to say that up front. But I can pick up natural sweetness versus sweetness from added flavorings. Um, I can pick up earthy, uh, musty, toasty, uh, fruit cooked fruit to some degree. And then I start to lose a little bit when I get in these others. But plum, fig, citrus. You know, I can pick up citrus in like orally golden sliced. But uh, I'm not going to pick it up maybe as much as other people might, or other pipe smokers. Uh, spice, pepper, chocolate or cocoa, vanilla, caramel, uh, licorice. And again, these aren't necessarily a strong version of it. It's just you pick up slight vanilla notes or caramel notes or licorice notes, whatever. Uh, slight brown sugar, floral, and that can be... Um, you know, like I was telling Brian, in Old Dublin, Peterson, Old Dublin, when I smoked that, I'd pick up a little, just a hint of a floral note every so often, um, probably due to the Orientals on that. But it's, you know, maybe if you're smoking a Lakeland, you'd have that and double highlight. Um, an incense-type smell, again, with the Penzance experiment, that would definitely be the be one I would highlight for Penzance, incense along with the creamy uh, part uh, herbal <laughs> and then um, let's see I got a uh, tangy that would definitely be appropriate for a lot of the blends that I smoke which would be vapors a uh, woody um, interesting enough I pick that up when I smoke esoterica bright which is a, a bright Virginia ribbon and there's definitely got a woody uh, part to it, which appears from time to time. Uh, nutty, oats, grassy, hay, and then smoky. So uh, but that's the list. So the list, again, is for you just to glance through and highlight the few words or phrases that might describe the blend as you're smoking it. Um, I had sent Brian a couple of reviews I had done. I did yield, Dunhill Yield Sign, and I only had about... Uh, of all those phrases, I think I have two, four, six. I have about 14 highlighted of all those words I just read and phrases from the very beginning. So it's not, you know, even I'm not using many of them. Uh, yeah, but I, I like the fact that you can use them or not, and they're there as suggestions also because they're, I mean, that, that's a fairly extensive list of, of flavor characteristics that, you know, it may trigger something in your mind as you're smoking and looking through the list of, aha, that's what I'm picking up. And you never could really put a, uh, yeah, never could really put a name to it until you saw the two, saw the name while you were smoking it. So, I mean, that, that's one heck of right. a list. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, I just want, it's just for other words. If you're not sure about the words, I just wanted to point out that, that the McClellan website is a very nice uh, section on tobacco tasting. Of subtle tasting elements of different tobaccos, and uh, Mike and Mary, uh, you know, describe you know some different subtle profiles of the different types of leaf and so forth that might be helpful to a to a user. Yeah, the, but, the uh, only flavor that I didn't see on there that I catch occasionally is manure. Uh, and, okay, <laughs> and that may be a suggestion that my wife made about some of my Virginia Periques and the way they smell to her, and now it's kind of stuck in my head. But, yeah. So, now the, so. Now Brian, on the last, this, 
these last questions are actually, the, these are actually really important. So once you've gone through that and identified the elements, um, these last five questions I think are really important, and I'll describe what each one is for. So my next question, what other words or phrases would you use to describe this blend? So let's say, let's say you went through and there's other words that I don't have listed or that you think are better descriptors of it. Well, you have a, a space to record those. And because um, I certainly am not going to claim that I have every word or phrase listed. Yeah, now. like manure. Yeah, so Brian <laughs> could put that on his review there, on his review form. <laughs> and then um, I have a, the next question. This is going to help you in your cellaring uh, behavior. Overall, would you say this blend <clears throat> would be in your top two or three? Wouldn't make your top two or three, but would be a regular in your rotation. Uh, would make your rotation, but you would smoke it on a less frequent basis, or wouldn't make it in your rotation. So this might help you when you're cellaring and say, you know, I really like this blend, but then when you have to answer this question, you realize, you know what, it's really, it would make my rotation, but I would smoke it on a less frequent basis. So instead of putting putting together 20 tens of it or 50 tens of it, maybe just have a couple of them on hand or maybe just choose to take your chances and not sell it at all. You know, that, that kind of question works also for me when I'm looking at my pipe collection and saying, okay, you know, the cabinet's getting full. It's time to kind of thin it out. And I kind of start with, you know, the, yeah, the the best or which one which ones get smoked every day which ones get smoked once a week which ones get smoked once a month which ones i can't part with because i absolutely love them for sentimental reasons and then there's this other group and i kind of look at that other group as well these are the ones that probably need to find a new home um mm-hmm. and i think that's a that's a perfect way for us to also as a lot of us are stockpiling or cellaring tobaccos is to, you know, that, that's a, that's a way for us to look at our tobacco sellers and say, you know, all right, top two or three, you know, maybe once a week and you know, kind of clean up and organize our tobacco sellers a little bit too. Right. And I have a follow-up question to that, which is to say, for what reason do you say that? So if you said, well, would make it in my rotation, but you would smoke it on a less frequent basis, well, why did you say that? So it provides a, provides a reason. So in my particular evaluation of uh, Ye Old Sign, Dunhill Ye Old Sign, I had written down, well, it's a little too strong in nicotine to be a top two or three, but it's definitely one for my rotation. So that would be one of my top tens, I think, a Ye Old Sign. It wouldn't be my top two or three. And, and I like what you wrote down for Peterson Old Dublin, where you said it would be in my regular rotation of English blends, along with Esoterica Margate, Dunhill 965, and Dunhill Standard Mixture, but Vapors are my top two or three. So you've kind of set a secondary top two or three group, too. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and then I have a, a question uh, my next question, what other, what other blends, if any, do you think are very similar? So I don't mean to get a whole laundry list there, but just maybe one or two other blends. So if you're smoking like Dunhill Elizabethan, to me that seems a lot like Yield Sign, without the, where Yield Sign doesn't have the Perique. Elizabethan has the Perique, but they're very similar. And they're both, you know, in my top ten, both of those. Uh, or Dunhill, or uh, if you're doing Esoterica, like Dorchester and Dunbar are very similar to each other. You know, I'm kind of looking for you to, you know, think about what else kind of rings your bell and says, you know, it's very close to this and might help you in your, in your evaluation of a tobacco blend. Yeah. And then the last one is probably the most difficult one. Right. What factors seem to work well with this blend? Pipe style, Slash size, uh, interior bowl dimensions, the packing method, the moisture level, and the smoking cadence. So these go right back full circle to my beginning when I said, what do I really think about to try to get that perfect 10? And um, for me, at least, it, every blend that I have that I smoke on a regular basis seems to like a certain pipe um, better than any of the other pipes. And 
you know, I can't really put my finger on it other than to say the blend packs particularly well in that particular bowl. It's easy to pack. So I can take a flake and even rub it out a little bit or whatever, like McClellan Flake, which are some of my favorite blends as well. My, I love the McClellan Vapors. And I love those in a smaller bowl, like a, a Peterson 317, which is, uh, or the 12 and a half S system deluxe. So those bowls are very, you know, they're, they're kind of a billiard, small billiard size pipe uh, with a, a 0.7 uh, chamber width, maybe 1.25 deep, one and a quarter inch deep, um, maybe even a little narrow, narrower than the 0.7. And the, you know they work well with a with a flake because um, they're they're smaller bowls and the flake doesn't take you know three hours to smoke. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. you know they and then I have larger larger pipe you know like a larger Canadian with a bowl that's maybe an inch a uh, little deeper than an inch and a half and maybe more like a point eight in diameter. Ned loves a ribbon cut like a Ned actually loves esoteric Dunbar. Or Dorchester, and and but, I would uh, even suggest so, doing this in multiple, you know, in different sizes or styles of pipes. To you know, take the first run through with one pipe, try it again with another one. I mean, that's what you know. Over years, I've kind of figured out what I like in what size pipe, but it'll surprise you how uh, the perfect example for me is I have one of my older Costello Sea Rocks that absolutely loves the uh, Amphora Original, but I can't get Amphora Original to really smoke well for me in any other pipe but that one. And, and thankfully, I found that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's interesting to uh, to do that. So so this form, you know, takes all the different elements. And then allows you to add whatever you would want, so there, it's very complete. And again, it's qualitative. And uh, I know that that Fred Hanna and uh, William Surratt, a couple of technical points behind it, is that I'm thinking instead of rating scale type evaluations. Again, I treated these more as a binary a measure. In other words, it either has it or it doesn't. It either has, you know, a, a spicier. It's, doesn't have spicy, not necessarily rate spiciness on the one to ten scale or one to five scale. Um, the other element is that it allows for interaction effects, and interaction effects would be, let's say we had a, a natural sweetness is a really thing that you, something that you really like in a pipe tobacco blend, and you also like spiciness, say from Perique. If you have natural sweetness without the spiciness, or spiciness without the natural sweetness. That may not do much for you, but when the two go together, they cause a cause the interaction effect, which causes you really like it. And vice versa, the two things could go together, each one that you like separately, but when combined together, cause a negative experience. Yeah. And um, so that's what I'm. That allows for you to measure that, these. And then the final the final uh, technical aspect would be what I call the non-compensatory factors. So when you get into attitude modeling, you, there, there might be a blend that hits all the right notes, except for one. And um, it might be, you know, I really want a tobacco that packs, easy to work with, easy to prepare for packing, and it's not too much of a fuss. And you may have a blend that's perfect with respect to every one of the flavor profiles, but it's just too much hassle to prepare to, prepare to smoke. So it becomes maybe something that you might go to on an occasional basis but doesn't make it in your top two or three, even though it would be in your top two or three if maybe it was in a ribbon or put it in a coffee grinder, right, and turn it into a ribbon, kind of. Put it in a coffee grinder on high and turn it into a fine-cut snuff. Um, (laughs) I I accidentally did that a couple months ago. Um, Has there been a blend that you've used this form with that after using the form, you've completely changed your mind on the blend? I would say, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Maybe with the exception of the strength. 
Well, there's certain tobaccos that I really like that then when I think about them too much, uh, the, the say the nicotine content might be too high to uh, be in my top two or three. I think that would be my my answer on that, like yield sign. I think that one's just got a little bit more punch than, I know you picked that up in your review of it, but it catches yeah. up, it sneaks up on you. So I like that in maybe a little smaller bowl or medium-sized bowl, but I don't know if I could make that one a everyday smoke. And put that, put that in, in my big uh, Canadian, and I might not be able to finish the, uh, I might have to, Scoop me up off the floor after now on, <laughs> or, or or like the uh, like five brothers. The first time I smoked that, I thought I was on a different planet for about ten minutes. Drank some water and sat back down for a while. Anyway, um, have you also, or have any of the other folks that have used the form, have they started to fine tune what they like more, or have they learned anything from what they've done? Uh, what I've noticed from talking to my friends at the pipe club is is that it it affects their pipe uh, their pipe preferences more right now. So my friend Craig Harrell, um, I was talking to him the other day, and he said he's starting to really like his smaller his smaller uh, bowls now. Um, so he has a Peterson System Deluxe twelve and a half out. S, which is a lot like the, which is the same model as the 317, that smaller size bowl. And uh, I think it just makes you think more about the process. Yeah. Um, and it makes you, it makes you think uh, more about what you really do, what, what you do like and kind of focus more on that. Right. Not, so it's not only the, the tobacco blend, but it's all the factors. It's the preparation method. It's the, the type of pipe you're putting it in, uh, you know, and, and as we all know, that makes a big difference. So I think it helps you fine tune your, your variables and kind of get them all aligned. So you have a higher percentage of getting those perfect ton smokes. And then of course you can also note on there that the tobacco might have some age on it or what you think it might do with some aging. So you've got all that room and, all that flexibility on there. Um, right. Yeah. I have a tin of St. James Woods, a newer, a newer tin, McLellan St. James Woods. And then I have an older tin, which isn't real old, but it's from 2011. And, uh, there's definitely differences from 2017 to 2011 in the six years and what St. James Woods does all for the, all for the better. I do like it right out of the fresh out of the tin but also with the extra bit of age and changes quite a bit it's almost like a different blend mike has been kind enough to send me a copy of the uh a, a blank a blank version of the form so if anybody is interested just reach out to me brian at pipesmagazine.com and again if i don't reply right away email it again because of the silly old spam filter but uh, Mike, this is absolutely brilliant work. I appreciate it. I'm going to start using it, although I smoke mostly one blend. Um, wouldn't it be a hoot if we discovered that I really don't like that blend after using your form here? Uh, but, yeah, that would be that would be funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, hope well, maybe I better not. Uh, but I appreciate it, and you know, it's just—it's an incredible amount of work. But it's a great little form, and to make it available to everybody is just a just a wonderful act for the uh, for the entire hobby. So, thank you very much. Well, thanks, Brian. And part of the reason I I wanted to do it too is because you had always said that tobacco reviewing is now one of your favorite things. So yeah. this hopefully will make it a little bit more, a little easier, a little bit more fun. Well, I don't know if it'll be fun, but it, uh, now I'm going to be thinking about manure for a lot of them uh, and writing it. <laughs> I'll just write it in. And now I'm going to ask my wife if she still smells manure when I'm smoking my pipe around her. But, <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming on again, and uh, thanks for all that you've done. Okay, thanks, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. 
As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, do check out that form. Play with it. See what see what you come up with as far as uh, your own experiences. And I, uh, I guarantee if you use the form a lot, it'll help you kind of determine what you're picking up and maybe uh, trigger some things that you may have noticed but didn't know how to put a finger on it, per se. All right, for music... This is a song from the Mutual Admiration Society, uh, which is a brand new album, and I'll get to how we get connected to it. Um, it's a new album featuring a host of Ernie Ball legends, and for those that don't know Ernie Ball, uh, Ernie Ball, manufacturer of guitar strings and other guitar accessories and stuff like that. Uh, and the album includes uh, guest appearances by Steve Vai, John Petrucci, Steve Lukather, Albert Lee, and Steve Morse. All great guitar players. Uh, and it's backed up by a band that features Sterling Ball, Jim Cox, and our own John Ferraro on bass, or on drums. So... What you're about to hear is uh, the first release from that album, and it's uh, called Sugar Shack, and it features Steve Vai on guitar. Steve Vai goes back to playing with David Lee Roth and a whole bunch of others. And Anyway, one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, get one of my favorite guitar players with uh, one of our favorite uh, pipe-smoking drummers in it. So here it is, the Mutual Admiration Society featuring Steve Vai. Yeah. 
what'd you think? Uh, the full album, 13 songs, uh, is available now on iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, Amazon.com, Spotify, and their official website. You can go to ErnieBall.com and find links to all that stuff. It is uh, definitely one for you uh, musicians and uh, music lovers out there. There is a message for you. In the mailbag, getting caught up on uh, two weeks ago with Ben Rappaport, uh, Dan Locklear writes, uh, Hearing Ben Rappaport again was refreshing and a delight. He has so much to offer, and it is this kind of substantial interview that is so valuable for all pipe smokers slash collectors. New and seasoned to hear. A suggestion, perhaps, consider having him back on on a rotating basis and let each session be on a different topic. As a matter of fact, to have several substantial collectors back on on a regular basis, sort of like radio columns, might be a good thing to consider. After all, the older generation is not getting any younger, yet they have so much to offer everyone. Uh, thank you, Dan. I, I agree. Uh, and I'll uh, put it out there to all of you listeners. Do you want to hear more of that deep dive historic uh, part of our hobby? I know a few people that I could have back on for uh, you know, specific deep dives and, uh, and really get into the uh, historical nerdy part of it. Um, I get a sense from reading a lot of the uh, feedback and reviews that uh, you know sometimes those, uh, those, those older, more academic or esoteric discussions that we get into may not be the most popular. But let me know. Uh, last week... Last week with Shane and our uh, pipe repair stuff or pipe maintenance stuff. Um, yes, <laughs> hey, I found a sil- I found a pipe that I have with silver on it. <laughs> I did have one. Uh, anyway, Crash the Gray writes, Good show this week. Fun pipe parts. I have to disagree with the logic of leaving pipe cleaners in the stem. If you pull the pipe cleaner out and there is any moisture on it, that is moisture that you have trapped in the stem and shank. In my experience, that means a sour pipe eventually. Even in a bag, there is moving air. I'm surprised that uh, even in a bag, there is moving air. I'm surprised that you taste wax on a stem, Brian. Unless the stem is way over waxed, I don't find carnauba to have a flavor. Uh, I hadn't heard Ian Anderson's solo work, and I'm glad you shared it. Uh, glad, <laughs> glad you liked Ian Anderson. Um, yeah, I can taste carnauba. Uh, new pipes, estate pipes, whatever it is, I can taste it. Um, Dan writes, nice show this week. Sounded like a different way pipe guys take care of their pipes. Yep, that's it. Short and sweet. Uh, Down Home Smoker said, the show definitely answered some big questions I had on pipe care, and it was nice to hear the difference in methods between you two. One question I do have is, if you are doing the salt and alcohol treatment of the bowl, do you just carefully pour the alcohol into the bowl, or do you use a dropper to make sure none of the alcohol touches the rim? Uh, let me stop right there. Uh, the couple of times I've done it, I just pour carefully directly in there. You know, kind of tilt the bowl back so that the fluid doesn't go running out the draft hole. Maybe put a pipe cleaner in there to plug up the draft hole and just pour it in slowly so that you don't get any overspill. Yeah, just be careful. Don't over-caffeinate when you do it. Uh, Then he goes on to write, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the rant. It's important to have at least the basic etiquette of a foreign country understood before you go there. As you pointed out, the tour guides should have had that covered and made sure the etiquette was followed. When in Rome, as they say, uh, it was funny to hear you poke fun at the California st- stereotype. Being from Kansas, I understand how those stereotypes tend to cling to you if someone hasn't had much exposure to people from different areas. Of course, I rode horseback to the local one-room schoolhouse. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, probably didn't have a horse. You probably had to walk both ways. Anyway, uh, thank you for the comments. And then finally, uh, Old Man Smoking said, Dear Brian, love the shows. However, you did a disservice on the Falcon Pipe. I have a few and love them. Have no problem with them, and they smoke great. You came across as a pipe snob, only liking the traditional briar pipe. Kind regards, old man smoking. Well, (laughs) so I didn't go back and listen to it, um, but yeah, you know, it's what I like. Uh, And I'm not a fan of the Falcon stems, so 
yeah, sorry I came off as a snob, but hey, that's uh, my opinion, and I'm a leading expert on it, and I'm glad they work well for you, and I'm glad you love them. They're, if they make you happy, they're wonderful pipes. Uh, remember, post your comments or questions on uh, pipesmagazine.com. Go there, click on radio show, and you'll see the latest episode or past episodes, and you can comment right there. Or you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And if I don't respond to you within a couple of days, email me again. And if I don't respond then, I don't know, poke me. Uh, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. I accept all friend requests except for uh, hot Russian women looking to date me um, or just wanting me to be their friend. Anyway, uh been a rash of those lately. And, uh, yeah, so there's ways to communicate directly with me. And in just a moment, rant time. Cowboy. Cowboy. I am a fan of the Olympics, have been a fan of the Olympics ever since the 1984 Olympic Games in L.A. when I was there and, uh, you know, got caught up in Olympic fever. And the Winter Olympics are starting on Thursday night. And I will put out my Olympic plea for, can we please cut down on the ice skating and the ice dancing and the ice whatever uh, you know, really, it, it's all going to be pre-recorded and delayed because the Olympics are in Korea, they're in South Korea this year. Can we just please show the highlights? Do we really need to hear all the drama and the build-up? There are plenty of other really good and interesting sports like curling that we need to see more of. Uh, more... Luge, bobsled, all the downhill, all that fun stuff that we don't get to see that much of throughout the rest of the four years. But can we please back down on this on the ice skating? I, it's just not my thing. And we seem to get inundated with ice skating during the Winter Olympics. And the Summer Olympics, you get hammered with gymnastics. Well, there's a ton of other great sports going on out there that we can see. Olympic ice hockey is the only time of that I that I like watching hockey. Uh, the biathlon. Let's let's look at that. You know, let's see some different stuff, please. And it is tape delayed, and, you know, from earlier, so we can pick and choose the interesting things. We don't need to see all of it, do we? And speaking of uh, Olympics, since uh, some of the Olympic events go back thousands of years. How about an Olympic pipe smoking competition? I doubt that would ever work, especially in the cold outside. Anyway, uh, please make sure and share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends, your enemies, your relatives, your in-laws, your outlaws. Share it with everybody. Spread the word. Uh, comments or questions, again, email me, post them on Facebook to me, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. I want to thank Mike for all the work he's done on this form. And again, if you want one, email me or uh, grab it off of the show page. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to I hope I never see any jerks again.